So Psalm 109, we started last week, and like I said last week, this is a chilling psalm. It is a triple application. It's aimed first and foremost at David the Less, David the Great, uh, Greater, and of course the Antichrist, which we also briefly discussed last week. Just cast your eyes back over verses, let's see now, uh, 9. Let his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. Probably in reference to Shammai, number 1, Judas, number 2. Let his children be fatherless and his wife a widow, a perpetual widow, like I say, unable to remarry, unable to rebuild her life. And of course, we don't know the background to Shammai or Judas. We're not overly sure exactly who knew what at what stage uh, but this also feeds into sins of omission sins of commission which i want to discuss this morning let his children be continually vagabonds and beg it's bad enough to be a vagabond like somebody always traveling around with nowhere to go to beg on top of that is pretty humiliating let them seek their bread also out to their desolate places a desolate place is an isolated place. The chance of finding food there is very rare. So it's a very bleak picture here of at least two people, but with the, with the Antichrist, three. Let the extortioner catch all that he hath, what's left of his uh, estate. Let the stranger spoil his labor. He can't get any off the ground. His legacy is ruined, first and foremost. His children are struggling to make ends meet and whatever he touches just falls apart we used to say it's bad blood not so much a common term now but you see people there's a guy in our town he's always walking around he's an asian chap in his probably late 60s he's not homeless but he's he's a vagabond he's always walking around the streets and urinates on the streets he's always got somewhere to lay his head but uh, he's a broken man you know he's got no purpose to life and it's always sad to see him he's a muslim also just for the record let there be none to extend mercy unto him. Neither let there be any to favour his fatherless children. So David the Less is praying. David the Greater is praying. And when Christ prayed a prayer, it was answered. David's prayer was answered. Now this is the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. For the Old Testament, you can pray for your enemies to be destroyed. But for the New Testament, you've got to pray for your enemies. There's a huge difference. Maybe in about four or five years ago, there was a... KJV, uh, a KJV YouTuber, get this right, and he's got a substantial amount of material online, pretty modest channel, like I say, some good stuff in fact, and he was saying, please pray to the Lord to destroy such and such a person, he's making my life a misery, and I thought that's a pretty interesting prayer to put up online, mm. whether the comments, 50-50 response, now he was going to the Old Testament for this, but of course the New Testament is, what, is where we are today, as Christians, I thought, that's an, just an interesting prayer to pray, basically. Destroy the enemies. They give me a real headache. But it gets even more, uh, it gets even more serious. 13, let his posterity be cut off. And in the generation following, let their name be blotted out. The name of his children, verse 12. Let the iniquity of his fathers be remembered with the Lord. Let not the sin of his mother be blotted out. Whatever her sin was, it can't be blotted out. It will not be blotted out. So you've got a cursed line here, bad blood, like I say, and this is a chilling psalm. 15, again, let them be before the Lord continually, like always at the forefront of the mind of the Lord. 
that he may cut off the memory of them from the earth. So Judas dies a cursed death. Shammai dies a cursed death. The Antichrist dies a cursed death. And I can't think of another way to describe this psalm. It's just chilling. It's horrific. But this goes back to the Lord's knowledge, which of course is unlimited. Ours is very limited. That's why we are always... Uh, that's why we should always be on the right side of the Lord. Think about the great white throne judgment when, it's, when, it, uh, when it comes around. And you're standing with all the righteous and all the unrighteous are summoned to the great white, great white throne judgment. Your wife perhaps, your husband perhaps, your unsaved mother, your unsaved uh, father. You know, get the picture, don't you? And you're seeing all your loved ones going into the flames of fire for all of eternity. So that's the background to Psalm 109. And like I say, it's bleak, it's chilling, but it's... It is what it is. This is how the Lord is going to uh, allow things to run. And uh, Judas dies a cursed death, goes to his place. Shabai dies at the uh, kosh of uh, King Solomon. And their seed and their families are blotted out. 13 and 14, of course, the Antichrist, a personification of the devil, goes to hell for all of eternity. Let's try and finish Psalm 109 and... Uh, I think last week we arrived at verse 24, so I started again, 24. My knees are weak through fasting, both Davids, and my flesh faileth of fatness, both Davids. David was guilty going back to the rape incidents. One of his sons raped uh, one of his daughters, half-brother, half-sister, and Absalom took it upon himself to deal with this uh, wicked sin. What do they say? Familiarity breeds contempt. And due to David's unwillingness, inability, weakness, call it what you will, due to David's inactivity over that particular sin, contentment has uh, just exploded. And uh, because of that, you've got Shammai in the family line of King Saul, uh, took it upon himself to curse David. And of course, Judas would also curse David directly and indirectly, the greater David that is, of course. Knees are weak through fasting. It's always good to fast. If you don't, you should. Flesh faileth of fatness. I'm wasting away. So David's run for the hills uh, was a prolonged period of time. And of course, Shammai does repent. And he's partially pardoned. Judas repents to a priest, but it's too little too late. It won't save him. That's why repentance won't save you. Uh, Pharaoh repented, didn't save him. Pharaoh went to a priest, didn't save him. Judas went to a priest, didn't save him. Confession, repentance won't save anybody. It's faith in the blood of Christ. You have to receive the Lord Jesus Christ's plan of salvation, the finished work of Christ, and then you repent. You start turning from your sins. You start trying to live a clean life. Now take all of your life. 25. I became also a reproach unto them. When they looked upon me, they shaked their heads. Go to Matthew 27. So here's a picture for you. You've watched these crime programs over the years, I know I have, and they arrest such and such for a particular crime, and they lead him or her out to the courtroom, or out of the police station. Nine times out of ten, the heads are bowed. Nine times out of ten. Why is that? They are ashamed. They don't walk out, head held high, shoulders back, straight back, saying uh, truth is subjective. They don't say that. They get a lawyer or a barrister, and they are told to say nothing and they're told to plead not guilty they don't start playing this 
subjective, objective game in the courtroom. They play by the rules of the courtroom because, of course, they know in their hearts that there is right and wrong, good and uh, evil. Matthew 27, Matthew 27, and look at verse 29. When they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and are reading his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, mocking him, uh, scoffing him. And this continues, of course, elsewhere. They say uh, he's calling for Elias, being Elijah. And, of course, he was calling on Jehovah. This goes back to the language of the Lord Jesus Christ, being mostly Aramaic, old Syriac, in the book of Daniel. And uh, if you ever speak to somebody dying, somebody who's let's see now who's uh, somebody who speaks multiple languages bilingual uh, if they're born in a country let's say you're born in Spain or France or Germany for example when you are dying you start to revert back to your mother tongue because that's the language that you were raised to uh, speak in and speak with of course go back to uh, Psalm 109 I became also approached unto them like an embarrassment when they looked upon me, they shaked their heads uh, with a level of contempt, like I say. And uh, you see it all the time. You see people shaking their heads with disgust. When I'm driving, I see people get cut up on the on the roads, as I'm sure you do. And if I get cut up, I just shake my head. I don't, I don't, you know, roll the window down and start shouting and screaming. I don't do that, or hoot the horn. Very, very rarely. But I just shake my head with disgust, and that's all you need to do. And people see that, and they see that you're expressing disgust. But here you got a picture of an innocent man, uh, David the Greater, being looked upon with absolute contempt, absolute disgust. David partly also, David the Less, uh, he says he came cursing and cussing through stones at David, called him a son of Belial, son of Satan. And of course you start to curse the Lord's anointed, he's going to take your head off. You think about, uh, I think it's Elisha in uh, 1 Kings, and a young group of kids come across him and they start making fun of his lack of hair and they call him a bald man I think it's first kings and it says uh, a couple of she bears female bears came out of the woods and tore them didn't say it killed them said it tore them it ripped them because of course you are cussing you are cursing the Lord's anointed and that's why verse uh, 17 and 18 is used in the sense of turning it around and putting it back on the heads of Judas, Antichrist, and Shammai. 26. Help me, O Lord, my God. O save me according to thy mercy, the lesser David, that they may know that this is thy hand, that thou, Lord, hast done it. Also in reference to the greater David, go to Jeremiah chapter, it's chapter 40. David put on a brave face when Shammai came up against him. You've got David's closer circle all around him trying to protect the Lord's anointed you've got the greater David uh, also not putting on a brave face but he's also surrounded by his closest and dearest and on both occasions you've got the Jews calling him a fornicator saying his mother was immoral uh, calling him Beelzebub uh, saying he was a glutton and a drunkard uh, that is slander of course and if you use slander today you can find yourself in a courtroom and when Shammai came across David, it was the same sort of a thing. You son of Belial, you this and you that. It's Jeremiah 40, verse 1. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord after 
Nebuzaden, the captain of the guard, had let him go from Ramah. I let him go from Ramah. When he had taken him, being bound in chains among all that were carried away captive of Jerusalem and Judah, which were carried away captive unto Babylon. Daniel chapter 1, of course, is a cross-reference to this. Jehoiakim and Co. And the captain of the guard took Jeremiah and said unto him, The Lord thy God hath pronounced this evil upon this place. You've got a Gentile captain here, second to Nebuchadnezzar, speaking the truth, which is interesting. He's speaking to Jeremiah, a type of Jesus, a righteous Jew. And he's saying, The Lord thy God, Elohim, uh, Jehovah Elohim or Elohim Adonai, the Lord thy God. I mean, this is the Lord's covenant name. If you are a Jehovah's Witness, the term Lord is Jehovah. In the King James, uh, the term Lord is found, I think, five and a half thousand times in your Old Testaments. And uh, the JWs like to make a song and dance over this and say it should be Jehovah, which is partly correct. The term Jehovah is what it means. Uh, but of course, the term Lord is also used to denote the many offices of the Lord. The Lord thy God hath pronounced his evil, hath pronounced his evil upon this place, not you specifically, Jeremiah, but the place of, of verse 1, Jerusalem and Judah. 3. Now the Lord hath brought it, and done according as he hath said, because ye, plural, have sinned against the Lord, and have not obeyed his voice. Therefore this thing is come upon you. Go back to Psalm 109. So you've got a Gentile here, a lost man, speaking to a saved righteous Jew who was innocent, as was Daniel, as was Jesus. And he's saying the reason why this is happening is due to the sin of your people, which is true. And I'm going to use the Lord's covenant name, which he does. Going back to also the book of Jonah, when the mariners start to pray and fast. And the text speaks about the Lord's name. I think it's Jonah chapter 2 for memory. And they use his covenant name. You find that several times in scripture where the Gentiles refer to Jehovah with his covenant name, which is incredible. Picture course of the church age. Uh, 109, Psalm 109, 27 again. That they may know that this is thy hand. Lesser David, greater David. If you are a righteous man, a righteous woman, nothing, nobody can touch you without the Lord's permissive will. It's as simple as that. Whatever takes place in your life is happening for a purpose. This past week, I had a huge attack. It felt worse than it actually was day before yesterday. Where are we now? Sunday. Friday going into uh, Saturday, a 24-hour prolonged attack mm. to do with my plumbing. It's so, it's so silly, but it's so, you know, it's so silly, but it was such a, it was such a substantial attack. It was nearly 24 hours. I won't go into great detail, but it was to do with my plumbing. It's so silly, isn't it? I know. But it was a full-on attack. And I had people coming at me verbally uh, for a period of time. And then yesterday morning, about quarter to ten, the phone rings. The plumber comes to the house. Done it within ten minutes. Problem gone. But it was an attack. It was a subtle attack, which I didn't see coming. And it came out of nowhere. And it stopped me going onto the street Friday to do work with Patrick because yeah. I went for the plumber to come to the house for the third time and fix the problem I'm going to great detail but it's just a picture an example of how the devil gets to you but of course it's all down to the Lord's permissive will and here we are what Sunday morning 20th of August 2023 and it all feels pretty good amen quarter to 11 having a good Lord's Day service but day before yesterday it was full on I can tell you 
Help me, O Lord, my God, save me according to thy mercy. David the less specifically. Uh, Christ's prayer was, uh, uh, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And uh, David the greater didn't need the Lord's mercy, but he wanted to uh, get through this period of suffering as quickly as he could. He starts to sweat blood, of course. That they may know that this is thy hand, the hand of the Lord is upon David the less, David the greater, and partly on me, <laughs> day before yesterday, but in a much you know, much uh, lesser sense, of course, that thou, Lord, has done it. So that's a way to go. Put on a brave face, if you will. Don't start to fall apart. And that's what David the less, uh, David the less did. And his people wanted to kill Shammai. And he says, you sons of Zariah, contrast that to you sons of Zebedee, the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. He came to save men, not to destroy men. That's the difference, of course, between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Our brother says, please pray for this person. He's making my life a misery. Pray the Lord destroys him. What a prayer. Pray he, deal, he, pray he does it as soon as possible. Basically, pray he's taken out of the picture, out of the way. I can't pray that prayer. I've been a believer over 20 years. I've had many scrapes and, and uh, situations and you know ups and downs, as I'm sure you have. But I wouldn't pray to have somebody just destroyed. I pray for situations to be resolved. And I pray for those that have crossed me and those that have slandered me, as I'm sure you have. But I wouldn't pray for somebody to be destroyed in the sense of just, just killed. That's pretty serious stuff. But of course, for some people, they can't handle what, what uh, they can't handle what I can handle, or vice versa. You understand, of course. That's why it's good to get both the testaments down clear, and not backload the gospel. Go back to the Old Testament and try and teach this as being relevant for today. You can't do it. Twenty-eight. Let them curse, but bless thou. That's beautiful. When they arise, let them be ashamed. But let thy servants rejoice. Christ was the servant. He came to serve, not to be served. Again, a great difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's always the best thing to forgive and forget as quickly as possible. Go to Isaiah 50, 53. They call this the forbidden chapter in Judaism. And uh, if you speak to Jews, uh, it's always great to go to Isaiah 53 and uh, show this to a Jew and say, first of all, the pronouns are masculine uh, and uh, personal pronouns. This is about a person, not a place. It's about a person, not a nation. And what the rabbis will do is I'll say, well, this is in reference to Israel as a nation. Israel as a nation can't save anyone. Can't even, they can't even save themselves. They've got no priest system. They've got no uh, temple yet. They've got no Levi system yet. Of course they will, but not yet. And the best they can hope for is Yom Kippur. And even that only comes around once a year. Isaiah 53, look at verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Again, the metaphor. The hand of the Lord is upon me. Not just to uh, do this or that, found over in Luke chapter 4, to set captivity captive, to give sight to the blind. But the hand of the Lord is upon me. That was uh, what Elijah said when Jezebel wanted to kill him. And the hand of the Lord was upon David the less and David the greater. And in a minute way was on me day before yesterday. He had put him to grief. 
going back to reproach, shame, contempt, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, his soul became an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, that's you and I, he shall prolong his days, he'll never die of course, and the pleasure of the Lord, the Father, shall prosper in his hand. So the Father bruises the Son, that of course is Christ on the cross, and he got physically whipped, he had his beard ripped out. A crown of thorns was put on his head, and I counted five punctures, five insertions into his blessed body, head, hands, feet, and of course a spear. I think it's five actually, I've got one more. Head, hands, feet, spear. Oh, his back. He's whipping the back. It says elsewhere he didn't. Um, it says elsewhere he he, uh, he turned his back to the smiter. So there's five puncture marks in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, "I bear in my body the wounds of Jesus Christ." And the Catholics use that to prove the stigmata. What a blasphemy! Paul didn't have any damage to his hands, his wrists, but his back was whipped. I think I counted once, 139 times. Mm. Imagine that over his lifetime, 139 times. And uh, Christ took five. Uh, or his body suffered five blows and uh, that's a picture of course of the Lord bruising him bruising him it's a powerful term uh, Psalm 109 Psalm 109 look at 28 again please let them curse going back to uh, 16 and uh, 17 let them curse and they did but bless thou that's beautiful when they arise let them be ashamed but let thy servant rejoice so both Davids are speaking here let mine adversaries there's your uh, enemies of course adversaries going back to accusers be clothed with shame Daniel chapter 12 speaks about everlast everlasting shame and contempt what Jews will say is we don't believe in hell it's not in the uh, Tanakh which is incorrect Daniel 12 speaks about everlasting shame and contempt. The term everlasting means without end. The Jews don't know their Bibles. As Christians don't know theirs either. And let them cover themselves with their own confusion. As with a mantle, like a cloak. I will greatly praise the Lord with my mouth. Yea, I praise him among the multitude. So go to James chapter 4. Let's try and open this up a bit more. if we may and uh, we have what's called the sin of inaction number one the sin of commission number two and the sin of omission number three and i've said over the years and i believe this with all of my heart that i think when the judgment seat comes around for the body of christ probably 90 percent of us are going to be judged for the sins of omission omission means to omit it means to not do to leave out to omit to leave out like i say where sin of commission means to do something you are commissioned to do something and i believe i really believe this that 90 percent of the body of christ when they hit the judgment seat we judge for what they did not do a great example is the uh story of the samaritan beautiful picture guys traveling made a b every school uses it all the kids know it and uh, he's robbed 
and he's left for dead and all the priests pass by this poor man and a Samaritan comes along a half-breed takes him up puts him on his beast takes him to a local uh, inn today like a hotel or a motel in the US a hostel says to the owner of the property take care of him until I come back and I'll pay the bill that's a lovely picture of Jesus Christ covering our sins and uh, dealing with it to the second advent for the Jews in Acts chapter 3 James chapter 4 deals with this issue of the sin of omission which is so overlooked in the body of Christ it really is James 4 17 therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin go back to Psalm 109 so briefly David was guilty of not dealing with the rape incidents which we've discussed many times that's a sin of omission first and foremost the sin of commission is the Bathsheba incident uh, Uriah incident that's a clearer picture of doing wrong like thou shalt not commit adultery thou shalt not uh, kill and David killed a righteous man and he took a righteous man's wife tried to cover it up she fell pregnant of course the rest we know so very well that's a sin of commission which incidentally in fact let's go to uh, the book of Hebrews quickly we had a good catch up last week with our family in Christ after I think it was recording uh, let's see now was it uh, Daniel chapter 4 I can't think where we are with Daniel and one of the questions was asked there's a text in uh, Hebrews chapter 9 like uh, verse uh, 22 what does it mean and it says how uh, uh, how almost all things are by the law purged with blood it's a great scripture and the question was asked uh, what does it mean and almost all things are by the law purged with blood and without shedding of blood is no omission and of course the answer is very simply this that murder and adultery couldn't be forgiven in the Old Testament there was no blood atonement allowed for that uh, for, for those particular sins and that's why David was in such a terrible state take not thy spirits from me restore unto me a clean heart you know I'm going to do this I'm going to do that knowing that there was no forgiveness for the Old Testament so in the Old Testament for, for the sin of murder and adultery now for the New Testament both are covered by the blood of Christ amen but for the Old Testament it wasn't so clear in fact, it's very unclear. It was, it was very clear, I should say. It's very clear. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't anything to be uncertain about. And David was a great expert when it came to the Jewish Old Testament. That's why it says, "And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, excluding murder and adultery, and without shedding of blood, is no omission concerning all the other sins of the flesh." Go back to Psalm 109, please. Let my adversaries be clothed with shame and let them cover themselves with their own confusion as with a mantle that's also found over in I think it's 2nd uh, Kings which I'm reading at the moment when Elisha is travelling I think into Syria and uh, he's 
got one of his disciples with him and uh, the disciple of Elijah starts to panic and he says uh, we can't get out of this situation and uh, what, you know, what, what are we going to do basically and uh, Elisha says to uh, the Lord open his eyes Lord and he does and uh, there's an army of horses and uh, there's fire also around the horses and he says there you are you see we are safe and sound in the beloved at second kings and uh, they then capture these Syrians march them to I think it's Samaria yeah second kings chapter 6 and it's a great picture here of the Lord's mercy and the Lord opened their eyes verse 20 and they saw and behold they were in the midst of Samaria 21 my father shall I smite them shall I smite them thou shalt not smite them wouldest thou smite those whom thou hast taken captive with thy sword and with thy bow set bread and water before them that's grace of course going back to the good Samaritan that they may eat and drink and go to their master and he prepared great provision for them and when they had eaten and drunk he sent them away and they went to their master so the bands of Syria came no more into the land of Israel that's spiritual blindness but also literal blindness and uh, they're covered with a mantle of a cloak of confusion found over in Psalm 109 and of course Elijah Elisha has the authority to ask the Lord to open their eyes which of course he does and talk about a sweat you got uh, well, first of all you're in, the, you're in the camp of the Israelites Samaria going back to the days of Ahab and Jezebel this is Ahab's son also I think memory was a bad king but he's still in the line of uh, David and co and the Lord says to uh, or Elijah says to, Elijah says to the Lord allow him to see what's going on of course he does and about you know beyond yourself you get up by the skin of your teeth which is what grace is it's god's righteousness at christ's expense this is a great book we've got what a great book this is so many stories in the bible isn't it you, you, you get your hands on the quran there's no stories in the quran like this there's no david and goliath in the quran there's no joan and the whale in the quran there's no ten commandments in the quran there's no uh feeding the four thousand the five thousand there's no walking on the water there's no giving sight to the blind or hearing to the deaf there's no raising up people from the dead there's no forgiveness of this or for that there's no go and sin no more i mean go to john 9 quickly i just want to do a quick spin off from this just very briefly john 9 we were discussing sin uh, last week and sickness and we've all got health problems some of us more than others and uh, you know it's not a bad thing to be afflicted paul was sick all of his life and uh, in john 9 uh, look at verse 1 I think it's verse 1 as Jesus passed by as Jesus passed by he saw a man which was blind from his birth pretty sad isn't it and disciples asked him saying master who did sin that's the first thing that comes to their mind this man or his parents that he was born blind that's what most people think they say it's cursed blood or bad blood Jesus answered neither hath this man sinned ah nor his parents but that the works of God should be made manifest in him and he goes on to heal this man and the jews hate it go back to psalm 109 they hate it because of course they couldn't they couldn't do what jesus was able to do and uh, that's why they hated the apostles because the apostles had the signs and the gifts of healing which they did not have the unbelieving jews and this man was born blind all of his life he's about 40 i think for memory 
when the Lord meets him, heals him, and uh, think about this just for a couple of seconds. He's been born all of it, so he's been he's been blind all of his life. No sin involved from himself or his family. That's the first thing. He's had to wait forty years for Christ to come along and heal him, so God will be glorified. That's incredible, isn't it? And no sin was involved in the man's blindness. So be careful if you're trying to work out why he or she is sick with this or that. Don't jump to conclusions. But I'll give you a good example where sin does kick in. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the communion passage, which we read every Sunday. And here's a good one. When uh, the saints won't uh, clean themselves up. Let's see now. First Corinthians eleven. Uh, eleven. Let's see now. Thirty. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. They're dead and buried. For if we would judge ourselves, John chapter, First uh, John chapter one, confess our sins, we should not be judged like condemned. But when we are judged like condemned, we are chastened of the Lord. We get a whipping. That we should not be condemned like sent to hell with the world. Give you one more. Go to Second Corinthians. I think it's chapter uh, seven. I think it is. Second Corinthians seven. Let's see now. A bit further on, actually. Here we go. It's uh, chapter twelve and uh second corinthians 12 let's see now 12 21 and lest when i come again my god will humble me among you and that i shall be away many which have sinned already saved people born again and have not repented of the uncleanness and fornication and lasciviousness which they have committed sins of commission going back to david and bathsheba contrast that to sins of commission I'll give you one more and we'll go back to Psalm 109 just a very brief spin off this morning and uh, in first let's see now one two I want three John I think it's three John you've got another character here in scripture and uh, this is now the sin of omission let's see now I'm putting these verses down I'm going by memory now I think it's three John three John three John nine I read unto the church, but Diotrephus, or Diotrephus, Diotrephus, a good old Greek name. Diotrephus, Diotrephus, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, this guy thinks he's a big shot, receiveth us not. He thinks he's the big cheese. Wherefore, if I come, I remember his deeds which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. So you've got sins of omission there. He's not doing what he should do. He's not showing brotherly love, first and foremost. There's no good Samaritan here. And also sins of commission. He's like a Protestant Pope, if you will. Go back to Psalm 109. Let's try and close this psalm this morning. So, as always, this book is a circle of a book. And I say that with respect. There's nothing like the Bible to... Uh, straighten out a Christian I don't care how long you've been saved for or how righteous or unrighteous you are 
you're going to be guilty of the sin of inaction, number one, sin of commission, number two, and sin of omission, number three. And again, James 4, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. That's why you need to forgive and forget and put it to bed. Psalm 109, uh, 30 again. I will greatly praise the Lord with my mouth, preaching, witnessing, sharing, keep it clean. Yea, I will praise him among the multitude. So in the context, it's David the less, David the greater. The multitude for the Old Testament is a church uh, unveiled. Types and shadows, of course. Uh, Moses for the Old Testament, type of Messiah. The children of Israel for the Old Testament, type of the church. Today in the wilderness, of course, many types and shadows. And Moses, type of Messiah. Aaron, type of the Holy Ghost in some way. He's able to do what Moses was uh, unwilling to do. In fact, uh, you think about, think about it this way. Moses didn't want to speak up. And uh, Aaron spoke up for him. Christ says, when the Spirit of God comes, he will direct you into all truths all truth and all righteousness and he shall convict the world uh, he shall commit the world of sin and of judgment sin of sin and of righteousness and judgment to come and that's why people hate listening to a street preacher just cuts them deep 31 he shall stand at the right hand of the poor to save him from those that condemn his soul uh, go to matthew 20 so historically speaking Christian nations have been the most generous on the face of the earth Britain, America America is still the most generous country on the face of the earth the Americans spend more money on world aid world uh, food like wheat, water they still are the best at doing that, they still give the most to missionaries, ministries worldwide, they send the most Bibles out around the world, they're still blessed for that Amen and uh, they still stand they still uh, stand with Israel which is also a good thing you're told to pray for the peace of Jerusalem in fact just this morning I saw a report online that is now talk of a strike against Iran the Israeli PM Yetanahu who's in trouble of course he's got a lot of, a lot of sin in his life going back to uh, allegations of bribery and corruption who knows if that's true or not I don't know but apparently signed off a plan to strike Iran and that happens the Americans are going to get involved apparently and uh, well it could lead to who knows what World War Three, perhaps got Russia of course looking at Iran very carefully so you get into geopolitics and once you get into geopolitics you can't really be impartial can you if you are a Bible believing Christian but uh, he shall stand at the right hand of the poor that's a great picture of course of uh, Matthew 25 of course when Christ comes back to the earth you've got the sheep and the goats present and those that took care of the Jews are commended and those that didn't aren't to save him from those that condemn condemn his soul be careful what you say because of course words do count for by their words thou shalt be justified and by thy words thou shalt be condemned what do the kids say sticks and stones will break my bones but names will never hurt me and yet you see online every day young people killing themselves why are they doing that because what somebody said about them they can't live with themselves you see it could be sin related it could be this it could be that so I always say to people just be careful what you say you know just guard your mouth if you can 
And I'm speaking, no, I'm, speaking, I'm speaking to saved people, not unsaved people. Going back to what, what does Paul say? You haven't repented already. And also 1 Corinthians 5 and 6. You've got incest in chapter 5. You've got uh, people being sued in chapter 6. Talk about a mess. And you really think you're not going to be prone to sin? <laughs> you're kidding yourself. Matthew 22 and uh, look at 44. The Lord said unto my Lord, great Trinitarian passage. Sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. So go back to Psalm 109. Let's pull all these verses together. So, a triple application passage, which we've already discussed over two weeks now. Shemai dies a cursed death, partly his own fault. He broke his bail condition. Judas dies a cursed death, as does Absalom. The Antichrist is the final one into the lake of fire. And he goes in, doesn't come out. Also, there's no annihilation. The devil spends a thousand years burning in hell. There's no annihilation. He comes out after a thousand years. He's still in existence, which kills the Jehovah's Witnesses. Nonsensical belief of annihilation, along with the SDA and the Christadelphians. Our Jewish friends, and God bless you all, need to be born again, people. Get under the blood of Christ. Your Yom Kippur your day of atonement won't cut it and your rabbis are lying to you and isaiah 53 in fact most of isaiah 50 51 53 and down to in that book and also isaiah 48 great passage for the trinity uh, revealed that the messiah has been and gone and with your country and the brink of civil war potentially at the moment due to the government wanting to take control of the supreme court you need to be born again people and that's why Gentiles are praying for Israel, are going to Israel and are getting the gospel to the Jews. Jews are getting saved, but it's still a, a tough uphill uh, struggle to get them saved. Praise the Lord greatly with my mouth, verse 30. Praise him, amen. Among the multitude, it starts with the word praise in verse 1. O God of my praise, hold not thy peace. Mouth of the wicked, mouth of the deceitful are opened against me. Double application, we've already discussed that. For my love, verse 4, they are my adversaries. Esther, a good example of that. Jesus Christ, ultimately, I give myself unto prayer. Christ was a man of prayer. Uh, his, weeks, his, uh, his knees are weak, verse 24. His flesh is failing him, uh, verse 24. He was held all night in the dungeon. Uh, Jesus Christ, that is, of course. And the next morning, he's brought before Pilate in the break of day. And, uh, of course, he's examined. He's found to be without guilt which is beautiful innocent in fact if we find ourselves in a courtroom they'll say if you live in scotland not proven or proven they say proven we say proven but the term is proven not proven is that right proven proven, proven. They, say proven. they say proven we say proven, say proven yeah. not proven in uk or in england they say not guilty yeah. but they won't say innocent the judge won't say you're innocent they'll say you're not guilty but once we get into the blood of christ we're innocent which is even better than being not guilty, of course. 31. Peter stand at the right hand of the poor. There's a picture of an advocate, an advocate, a lawyer, a barrister, which we all need, don't we? First John speaks about this. I think it's chapter 2. To save him from those that condemn his soul. Going back to verse 5. Put a wicked man over him. Let Satan stand at his right hand. Do you realize the devil is against you? And the Lord just steps back. You're finished. You can't come back from that. I don't care who you are. The devil 
destroyed everybody in the Old Testament. Everybody in the Old Testament was destroyed by the devil. Everybody. Even Daniel. It says in Daniel chapter 2 how the king bowed down and worshipped him. And it says how he wanted uh, odors to be brought to the sacrifice to Daniel. Incredible, isn't it? Not a word was said. In Daniel chapter 5, which we'll get to probably next week, Belshazzar wants to reward, uh, wants, to reward da- uh, wants to reward Daniel for explaining the second vision, the writing on the wall. And Daniel doesn't take the money from the man, but he takes the promotion from the man. See, even Daniel has a clay of feet, as does David. You get to the Lord Jesus Christ, you can't find fault with him if you tried all night. You just can't do it. That's why it's always embarrassing when Muslims try to ridicule the Lord Jesus Christ. They can't do it. But here, 31, closes a beautiful psalm, how Christ will stand at your right hand of the poor. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall see God. Physically poor, spiritually poor. It's more important to be uh, spiritually poor than physically poor. To save them, to save him from those that condemn his soul. So the devil wants to destroy you. You know that, I know that, we all know that. It's not new, of course. And Christ will step up the last day for us. Vouch for us. Uh, speak up for us. And I think it's going to be like this. A lot of people will get to the judgment seat of Christ by the skin of their teeth. Going back to the sins of omission. They're still saved, but just about. I mean, just about. And the devil will say, uh, let me get to him. He's done this, he's done that. He didn't forgive his father, didn't forgive his mother, didn't forgive his brother, didn't forgive his sister, didn't forgive his son, didn't forgive his daughter, didn't do this, didn't do that. Held a grudge like a David would do on his deathbed. Let me get to him. Sins of omission, it's sin. Uh, James 4, 17. Let me get to him. And uh, the, the, uh, the sinner starts to sweat. You can imagine that, can't you? In a courtroom by today's standards. And the judge is looking at you being God the Father if you will and uh, no adultery no murder no extortion just sins of omission like I say and that's not send you to hell forever and the 11th hour Christ steps into the room and he praise the Lord you know and you start to really st- feel like you know you've come alive and he says that's enough you know he or she belongs to me I've covered his or her sin there's no more condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus to those that walk after the uh, to walk in the spirit, not after the flesh, Romans eight one and two, and you think, praise the Lord, you know, thank God, literally, and you you know you're always saved, but you didn't realize it or didn't appreciate it until Christ steps into the courtroom and covers your sin. I mean, publicly says he's mine, she's mine, you can't touch him, you can't touch her, and that's when it all really kicks in as to how close you were to hell fire. But no, no other religion has that guarantee, and that's the sad thing when, you, when it comes to other religions. Good righteous people, yeah, don't drink Muslims. Uh, they smoke, but don't drink. Careful what they eat, yeah, the Jews are the same. Don't eat pork, they don't do this or that. The women wear wigs, you know, so the men don't last after them. The women in Islam wear burqas, so the men don't last after them. Yeah, it's all commendable. And they fast at Ramadan, and they fast uh, during Lent, Catholics and uh, High Anglicans, but it won't save you. It's just your way of trying to appease. And trying to bribe a good righteous God and look out because that's going to send you to hell forever if you're not born again. So we'll close it there and uh, next week Lord will come back and look at Psalm 110. A short and sweet psalm but loaded with great doctrine. Amen, amen, amen.